Box to another episode of, uh, well, for the podcast of champions, Joe, this is the podcast of champions where people tune in for the training tips. And uh, last weekend, we both had a sneaky little race and they're all waiting to see if we got some new chip, tips to, ch- to share. Have you got some, you reckon? Just the tip, what we said a few weeks ago for, on training camp, get fit or get fucked, didn't we? Get fit or get fucked. Have you got a beer with you right now or not? No, I haven't. I, I could do it with a kombucha, actually. I'm trying I'm trying to keep off them uh, a bit until after Kona, and then that's when I'll uh, make the most of it. I feel like I'm on Fair a bit enough. of a roll, so I'm, uh, I'm not too I just I just solely wanted to celebrate this one uh, with you then, but I'll, I'll just drink for two then. You've just got one beer. Wait, though, haven't you? You've got, you, you're, you're not racing in three weeks again, are you? I'm not. I just came down from, um, I just went out for dinner by myself to a restaurant, The Golden Rainbow. And um, so I'm eating up. Was that where you went? That's where I went. I sent you a picture, mate. Yeah, I just saw and, a picture of chips, but I didn't really uh, notice it too much. I thought you'd gone. Dude, like a zoom in because you can, oh, well, this is what happened. I uh, I walked down, you know, it's like third day after the race. Wanted to treat myself. So I walked in and on the left, I could see Ronald. Ronald was sitting on a bench. He had tears in his eye, Joe. Tears in his eyes. He was literally tearing with grease. And uh, he said, we miss you, Tom. We miss you. And looked on to the right. I saw my friend sitting as well in the corner and said, we miss you. Where have you been? I said, boys, like, I've missed you too, but I've been training pretty hard. Like, I haven't been to Donald's in a long while. There was no Donald's in in Font Rameau. When was the last time you went? There was a Donald's quite nearby, isn't there? There's a sign up uh, near the town, isn't there, saying where it was? When I'm training hard, though, I'm I'm not I'm not messing around, you know. I'm not yeah. messing around. <laughs> I'd have, uh, so I just I'd I went down to that it. cashier and I said to myself, Tom, you can have whatever you like, and if you if you fancy something on that list, you're gonna get it. So I had two cheeseburgers, I had a Big Mac, medium fries, and two cheeseburgers a, and a Big Mac, two cheeseburgers and a Big Mac, wow, and a medium it. fries. I like five then, burgers. To balance it out, I had a Diet Coke. A Diet Coke. <laughs> Did you really get a Diet Coke? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, had a che- I did have a cheeky takeaway yesterday on the way back. All right. What did you, what I, did you I, have? I had a burger, Burger King. Wow. Like triple, that is nuts. Three burgers in it and bacon and cheese. Oh, what's, what's, the, what's your favorite from the Burger King then? Oh, bacon and cheese Whopper meal. That was what I had, and that was that is probably my favorite. That went down an absolute treat. I I like the double whopper always when I go to the Burger King. Double whopper. That's what do Laura's you like? Though? What that's, do you like? That's what Laura went for. Double whopper. What What would you rather have, Donald's or Burger King? Oh no, competition, mate. Burger King, hundred percent. You're a Mackey D's me, fan, aren't you? You're a Mackey D's. I'm a Mackey D, but also, I mean, it depends on the wind, to be honest, because sometimes it's just. The burgers from the Burger King are a bit more robust, I would say, a bit more, you know, the onions are quite raw. Uh, it's a bit more man-like. And I think the Donald's is more on 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 like the softer side, it's a bit more emotion involved. Um, it, it just hits different. What about if we both. throw another spanner in the works and add KFC into the mix as well? I'm not a KFC guy, like not at all. Mate, no, I, I'd fancy oh, myself a chicken finger, but not. I would never, literally, mate. If all you about the my, chicken, mate. It's all about <laughs> <laughs> the chicken game. There is pretty strong. Yeah, but if you, literally, if I walk out my door, I'm not shitting you. I live in like the uh, the main street in The Hague. Within hundred meters, two McDonald's, one Burger King, a KFC, a Five Guys. Uh, and a couple of kebab uh, things. Like literally, I'm getting spammed by these. Uh, I, these I like Five Guys, but it's, it's a bit expensive for me for that kind of food, for that takeaway kind five of thing. Five Guys is crazy expensive. Like I went there once. Price, so it's like, it? 
wow, it's crazy. Like I went there for burgers once. And I was thinking like, whoa. My so dad 15... gets the weirdest thing from McDonald's. What? A sweet a salad. chili chicken wrap. Sweet chili chicken chili. wrap. Yeah, but chicken from McDonald's. I mean, come on. Like surely if you go there, you go there for a burger, don't you? Speaking of chicken, when's the last time you had chicken? Don't lie to me. Tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> people from the uk always eat fucking chicken. i don't normally have it mate <laughs> what did you what did you have pre-race what did you have pre-race tuna steak a, a nice tuna fresh steak? tuna steak yeah nice fresh tuna steak mate with rice some packet of rice what i brought but to be to be honest tuna is the chicken of the sea isn't it the chicken <laughs> yeah i only got it because it was quick and easy to do because you, you can't you're not supposed to cook it for too long are you so it was a couple of minutes packet of rice in the in the microwave uh, did some spinach, which I like steamed, and that was it. Job done. Had some avocado as well. Quick and easy meal. No messing around for me. But anyway, afterwards, I, I hocked Ronald. I, I hocked my friends and said, boys, it's time for me to get back into training. And uh, we'll, we'll be seeing each other again. But anyway, have you got any highs and lows this week? And my low, mate, my big low, was sitting at the side of the road in Ironman Wales for 20 minutes. Like I thought it was over. I was... I can, should I, should I tell you about it now or should so I just, uh, good, good old, uh, Jody went over to 10 B last weekend. He raced Ironman Wales and uh, we'll go into it in a bit more detail, uh, later on. But so on the bike, you had like a mechanical and you had to sit on the side of the road for 20 minutes. Did you think it was long 20 minutes? Well, I actually thought it was less than 20 minutes. To be honest, I thought it was 10 to 15 because I thought time always seems like it goes slow, doesn't it? In a race when you're like, mm -hmm. when something goes wrong. So I was like, oh, it felt like 20 minutes, but it was probably only 10, 15. But I didn't dare look at my watch because I didn't want to like, uh, in case it was more, because I knew it would be a bit demotivating. So I was like, I would just say it's 10 or 15. And then people were giving me splits. But I thought some people were giving me splits, but I think some people must have been giving me position. So someone said like 14. And I thought, oh, I must be 14 minutes behind the leader now. But I was actually in 14th place, I think. So I, I and I was probably like 20 something minutes. So I said 20 something minutes. I'd had a heart attack. Mm -hmm. So you you think sitting on the side of the road twenty minutes was a long time, right? Just sitting there is a very long. I time, just saw them all go past me one by one. Some but, of them said, um, "Are you all right?" Harry Palmer. He said, "Are you all right? You're right." I said, "No," but he carried on anyway. So I was thinking there wasn't really no point in asking me if I'm all right because I said no, and then he's like, "All right, <laughs> see ya." See ya. But, think, but if if you now put it into perspective, good old Tommy boy waiting for you on the podcast every week for twenty minutes. It's a long fucking while, isn't it? It is a long while, yeah. It is a long while. It is a long while. On training camp, every morning, Fabian and Tommy were standing outside waiting for Jody for 20 minutes. Nah, you weren't waiting for 20 minutes. <laughs> no way. It felt like 10 to 15, <laughs> but it was 20. <laughs> I also, one of my highs was actually junkyard dogging Harry Palmer on the hill in Ironman Wales. Was that when you passed him the first time? No, I passed him the first time. time. That's probably why when he, when he saw me stop the second, when he saw me stop, he didn't bother waiting. <laughs> what? Like, see ya <laughs> that was the battle of the influencers wasn't that it? was you the battle of the influencers i barked him i said come with me harry if you want to get the podium come come with me and he didn't right. come with you he, he did yeah for a little while but he he should have come with me for the whole thing he could have been on the podium couldn't he he could have gone with you and just run that 237 it's, it's just a lack of minerals <laughs> but um all right did you get any junkyard dogs on course absolutely loads and i did junkyard dog one other person as well but they weren't very happy why? I could just tell. I could just tell. Did you? Like, All right. He just didn't look very happy. You know when you probably did it to Marcos? Yeah. And he, he wasn't really too happy, was he? 
Was was this like a, just a random age grouper or what was this? It was Boris Stein when I went into first place. Really? You barked at him? He just didn't seem very happy, yeah. And I thought, ooh. He couldn't enjoy I might Do you think it's, it's German humour? I don't know. I think I might have touched a nerve there. Really? He, he wasn't too keen. Yeah, he wasn't too What did you, did you say something afterwards? Uh, yeah, I just said, oh, you know, well done kind of thing, like good race kind of thing. Uh, like You just, shouted at me like a dog. Yeah, I think he probably thought I was a bit deranged. <laughs> <laughs> why is he bargaining me like a dog in, 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 in Omer it was like I was running through a, a dog kennel yeah yeah it was like that here it was absolutely crazy and I even had a message from someone after the race barking at someone who was wearing DHB kit in Ontario Canada like a dog and the guy spoke to him afterwards and said he brought the DHB kit so it, it, on purpose because he hoped that people would bark at him like a dog I sent the guy a message because someone because he told me who he was and the guy absolutely loved it. So how cool is that? People buying the kit just because they want people to bark at them like that's, a dog. That's why we need to get that Traveler Mockery kit. Yeah. That's why we need. But I've got a meet up next week because uh, we're also partly sitting with distribution. Because I've got a meet up next week. And then I hope to roll this out in nine weeks to get all the tri suits and all the cycling tops ready for shipment. So they might be ready for Kona next year. Uh, Joe, it's all about the training indoors on Swift over yeah. the winter. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, apparently uh, quite a few people crashed in uh, Wales. Like, because, did they? Uh, yeah, because it was quite technical. But I wonder if that's because a lot of them ride on Swift. You know, not used to the corners, are they? I mean, that is that is um, especially because you in a race, you've got the adrenaline, uh, you've got the speed, uh, shit weather. Um, and it is true. If you don't, if you don't practice, you don't preach, right? Yeah, exactly. So if you're always riding on Swift, it, it can be wet on Swift, but nothing will happen. Your character won't all of a sudden like KO or something, will it? No, no. But, um, all right. Any, any, any highs then over the week? Uh, well, basically just, uh, the barking and stuff like that. It was quite, it, actually I'd say a good high is Tembe is a really nice place. And it was a great atmosphere of all the athletes there, like all the banter beforehand. Um, met up with Dougal. You, you, can you remember him from uh, New Zealand? You must have done yep. some rides and stuff for him. He came over for the race. He's doing some like, uh, what's it called? You know, like that extreme race and what he does. What's it called? Oh, you know, yeah, the, with the rowing racing. and all that. Yeah, yeah, he's doing some of uh, some adventure training camp in uh, Isn't there a really big one in, uh, in the UK, one of them races from coast to coast or something? Is there in the UK? Yeah, I think so. I didn't know about that. Okay. I'd be up for it. Yeah. You're more into triathlon. <laughs> I've got a really big low, mate. What's your big the, low? Uh, the day after my uh, triathlon in Almere, the full distance, I had to uh, carry 8,000 kgs of apples because the business is running. Uh, eight tons of apples. Eight tons of apples the next day. Bloody hell. And I was completely in a hole. Like, was that harder than the Ironman because of the fatigue of the Ironman? Um, yeah, it 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 has a lot of my determination. Um, yeah, no, it was it was it was it wasn't really uh, great because it started at like seven a.m. seven a.m. Um, and it was just till like what was it? So brothers didn't let you have a day off; they just made you do it on it. A- well, the thing is, um, so I've got this uh, um, fruit juice company with my brothers where we. Uh, yeah, we people with excess fruit. So I'm talking 100 plus kilos. So from farmers, people with like apple trees and all that, they come over to ours 
and um yeah we'll kind of uh, suppress it into like juices is that what they need 100 um, kilos over yeah, 100, 100 kilos mate it's not a fucking slow juicer it's it's like a proper machine it's like a yeah. big big machine <laughs> yeah so you get people with like a ton of apples or like uh, 500 kgs of apples and they uh, they'll come in but yeah eight tons of apples and uh, oh my goodness that i was so so tired and then the next day we had to wake up at like 7 a.m. again so that was last monday to clean the machine and yeah, so I didn't have, and so after Almere, I couldn't drink a beer. I had to drive home because the ne- next day I had to work for like 14, 15 hours. But yeah, no proper, proper graft. Yeah. Age, yeah, group, yeah. age group triathlon life, that's like, isn't it? That, that is pretty much <laughs> taking you back to your roots. <laughs> taking me back to the roots. It keeps me uh, grounded, keeps me grounded with the feet on the ground, keeps the feet on <laughs> the ground. But anyway, um, Joe, I've got another, another uh, low. What's that? I, uh, or maybe I'll start off with a high. I'll start off with a high, Joe. Do you know in, in like running, they, uh, if, if you would, if you would run a 201 in, uh, in, for example, Berlin, they would call him, for example, uh, I'm the 201 marathon runner from like where, wherever you're from, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. The, the 201 from, from The Hague. Yeah. You can call me the 54 minute swimmer. From the egg, mate. The Call 54 minutes. <laughs> it's a 54. 54 minutes from the Hague. I, I remember um, I remember we were saying, well, in the last couple of weeks, I w- I've always said, like, uh, I, I'm, I, I know I'm capable of swimming faster than 56 minutes, 57 minutes, but I've just never executed it. I've been working hard over the last winter. I've been training with the kids. I had to make them proud. I've been training with, like, you. I've been training with Lottie and Philippe a lot in uh, Fond Rameau in the pool. And um, came out of the water in Almere. And that announcer was like, another fast group, 54 minutes. And I was thinking- Is that like, what he said? Did he say yeah. that? Yeah. And I was thinking like, fucking hell, is this my group? Is this my group? And I, we're, we're running in, in, into T1. And I was like smiling. I was saying, good swim, boys, good swim. Because I, I remember when we had that start, I was swimming, I think after like the second buoy, I was, I was like in a massive pack, like in, in a, I think we were like with 15 or something. And I was thinking, this can't be a one-hour swim. It can't be. It can't be 15 people swimming one hour, you know? Yeah. And even I remember halfway through that swim, I, w- I wanted to look at So it was basically two laps. Halfway through that swim, I wanted to look at my watch because I was thinking I was moving, you know? I was like yeah. fucking moving. I was thinking, I want to see the swim time. I want to see what I'm swimming, but I couldn't see it. What, did you try and look at it? <laughs> I, I, was, I was too keen. I tried and looking at my watch. I, I wanted to see. I felt I was moving quick. <laughs> I was still, yeah, yeah. If you would have seen it and gone through the first lap in like 26 something, because that's probably what you did do, wouldn't it? Because the second yeah. lap's always slow. What would you have thought if you'd have seen like 26, 40, something like that? Uh, like, oh, stay in there, mate. Like, don't get let go. But that's, what it, that, that's what I said anyway, like the whole time. I remember after like the first buoy or the second buoy, I was in this like this massive pack and it felt like mega easy, like just steady easy. But it's, I remember at some point I thought like maybe this is even too easy. So I tried to swim past it and then I, I saw like, oof, it's actually a bit tough. So this might be the perfect spot. Yeah, it feels um, like that, doesn't it? When you sat in, you feel easy. And then when you try and do some yeah. effort, you're like, oh, it's noticeably But then on the, on the second lap, some of the people up front broke away from that group. And then we were with like five or six left. But it was like perfect. Five left, I think. All right. Yeah. 54, mate. You can call me the 54. <laughs> 
Do you do you think it was impressive? Fifty four. Well, I thought you'd swim about fifty four. I thought you'd be way quicker than fifty six or fifty seven. Like fifty seven minutes, like one thirty per hundred, isn't it? Like I thought you've got to swim quicker than that. Nah, fifty seven, isn't that something like one twenty nines? One twenty. Bang on one twenty seven flat is bang on one thirty. Sorry, is it? Yeah. Oh. Um, so I was like, you've uh, got to be swimming like 126s at least. That's 54, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I had no clue. I had no clue. I was thinking, I always messed this up. I kept up the faith in you, that's why. You kept the faith in me. But tell me about Tembi, mate, because uh, I think you had the race of the season, didn't you? Um, well, go on. T- tell us the rest of the race then while we're on the topic. You can't just back out of it like that. All right, all right. So um, came out of the water. I was thinking 54, you're in the race. I heard it was like six minutes off the big group. So you had Lucas White, but he's always like miles up. He swam 44, 44 I saw it. Yeah, 44.30 he swam. Yeah. Uh, and then the big group swam like between 47 and 49. That was like Evert uh, Scheltinga um, and Milan Brons and all them. They were like, Evert uh, was maybe maybe in between. But I was thinking, I'm only six minutes down, which isn't that much. And if it's windy in Almere, I can maybe like bridge up or something, or or maybe some of them will fall off. Um, so on the bike, went out with two guys. First um, first bit is like new. It's all new. It's uh, quite technical. And um, I was thinking it was pouring rain, so he couldn't see shit. And uh, I was thinking, so this one guy lives pretty close to uh, Almere. I thought I'll let him in the front. But apparently his... Uh, I was thinking the speed is not that high and I don't want to mess this up. I was literally running at like 220 watts in his wheel. I was thinking like I'm six minutes off. I just want to get as soon as I can to uh, like ride at 300, three plus. And, um, but apparently his front tire was flat. Oh, but really? Anyway, so I that's just why moved... it was so easy then? Yeah, I reckon so. But why, why he was riding easy. But anyway, I just uh, went on and uh, rode for about, so the first lap, I wrote 305 watts. I thought, like, I'll, I'll push it a little bit harder. It felt, like, really good. Um, I didn't really have to search it because I thought it doesn't make any sense. I mean, you said it as well the day before. If you're six minutes down, it doesn't make any sense to write, like, half an hour at 370 watts. You probably won't catch them anyway. And also, you don't know if they've got any, like, motorbikes get paced along. So I didn't want to burn any matches. And I was thinking, if I'll just ride at, like, 300 watts, I'll get, like, a decent time. Then... After a lap, um, the wind changed again, like full on hat wind on the open bits and then a tailwind on like the close bitch, which was a bit annoying. Um, and that's a, a, a very boring stretch, isn't it? Because you've got basically 30k straight, full on into a hat wind. I could see no one in front of me, no one behind me. It was mentally draining. Um, took me about 40 minutes to get over that stretch 35 minutes something like that yeah i think it was 25k um then from 140k's on i had like a mental mentally i was thinking like this course is a bit boring because you're sitting in the aero bars for like four and a half hours aren't you but then i thought i still feel pretty fresh like my legs feel mega fresh with about 20Ks to go, I decided to push a little bit less. So I thought, oh, I'll, I'll make sure I'll come into transition pretty fresh. No lower back problems, nothing. Nutrition on point. Uh, I'll probably like spank that marathon. Came into uh, T1. So the course was a bit long. I think it was 180 point, 182Ks. 
Uh, so I came through the 180 in 417 and a half, 418. Um, and I remember a couple of years ago, I saw some Ironman pros riding like 415, 418. I was thinking like, wow, if you can do that in an Ironman, that is a pretty good going. So that was a, a really a high for me that uh, I think cycling over the last two years has taken a massive shift. Don't you think if we, if you look at, for example, at Wanaka when we rode together or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely improved quite a bit. And um, that, that, that was, that would be, uh, that would have been a really good time uh, compared to other pros like a few years ago, but everyone's improved so much, haven't they? But yeah, in saying yeah, no. that, you weren't far off because Starkey got the fastest bike for him, wasn't he? Like four eleven, four twelve. So yeah, um, four twelve. He was like eight minutes quicker, seven or eight but, minutes, and he was I, he was like almost the whole way in a two up. Uh, first with a group, then in a two up, and I did one hundred and eighty k solo TT. So uh, I know I'm capable of riding a steady Ironman effort and with more people. I'm not saying that you that you draft them, but it, it's easier if you're in a group. Even if you keep legal distance, you have that mental let up. And also when you're riding straight into a headwind, you can take turns. Even sitting at 12 meters, it's like a massive advantage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. With like, if you've got like five people, you save quite a bit, quite quite a lot, like 50 or 60 watts probably, maybe even more. But then came off the bike, super fresh, got my shoes on. I thought I was going to spank that run. I was running, feeling I was running 340k pace, just like you, but then... I saw my case splits on the watch and I was thinking, positive thinking, Tom, that GPS is probably not right. Why? So what was your first couple of case splits then? First couple of case splits were like four, five, four flat, first four. Yeah. And then after that, it went like into like four fifteens and it felt like I was, I was motoring, you know, I felt like. Why was it so, how come they were so slow then when they felt so good, so comfortable? I don't know. I don't. I, I just think, and this is. I just think this is where where like the fitness because it's. It didn't feel hard as in like you're doing a threshold rep. It felt more like you're going fast, but you're not going fast. Yeah, I just yeah. think it's because I don't have the speed. Like I've been training for eight weeks. Um, I've only done four weeks where I did some interval session that was at altitude. All the other and also at altitude, Joe. For me, it was like a lot of fucking around in the hills. Like I, I told you, like I don't know if I'm getting any speed in the legs. But if you, you've got the speed because you did like all the base before it, but I, I remember the first week I was running at 160 BPM doing like an easy run, you know, or or whenever I would do a flat run my heart rate would still be high i remember when we did that hilly run we we went up like 500 meters of elevation my average heart rate was like 150 which is basically ironman heart rate so i knew you need um, taylor spivey to whip you into shape a bit more i do a few more I sessions do. with taylor spivey and you would have been but, flying mate <laughs> but 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 going off that i i ran the marathon like almost completely flat it might be a bit slow but completely flat there was no bonking there was no fading it was just there wasn't any speed (laughs) it was like it was a free or free run a free or four um and and i'll take it you know i I just know i i I just need to build that run maybe i I just can't complain in eight weeks um i was a bit disappointed at first because i always like my last couple of runs have been between two well, last year, for example, was a bit long, but that would have been a 253, 254. Then Cork was 259 and I've had 257 in Girona, whatever. But then, yeah, 304. But I just think this is where it is. Just something to work on. Now. So you need to get it up a bit. What do you so, think then? What about your run? About the race. You've been watching the race, haven't you? Yeah, oh yeah I watched it. I, I, I thought your run was going to be quick on 304. 
I thought you'd probably I thought run. That. Two, I thought you'd probably I, run two fifty to two fifty five on that course. But I told you before beforehand. I said I don't know what shape I'm in because of the damn altitude. But you did a few runs uh, beforehand where you were running quite good paces, didn't you? Like at sea level, only didn't one. You? Was only, only one. one. Yeah. You just need more, uh, a few more weeks training. You said you didn't do much before you went to altitude. So uh, to have a good swim and a good bike, Rome weren't built in a day, was it? Exactly. <laughs> and uh, it isn't finished yet. No, yeah. but uh, I mean, the, the, the whole takeaway from the race in the end is massive shift in the swim. Uh, the bike has been, uh, I had no lower After the swim and the bike, you were in contention, weren't you, for a top five? That was the thing. I came off the bike. They said ne- nine minutes or 10 minutes off the front. And then that was only Starkey, I think. And then all the others were in like close seven to the or me, eight mate. minutes. You were seven minutes closer than me to the front. Exactly. So I was thinking for a change, for a change, I'm not just on the start list with everyone, but I'm actually in the race this time. <laughs> And if you made that front pack or that pack, the next pack up, that was one with Starkey wasn't it? Yeah. Like 50 minutes, you basically need to swim like four seconds, 100 quicker. You would have um, had a chance of getting uh, right, like, you know, right at the front because you could have potentially tried to stay with him, which might have worked or might not. But if he took you up, if you stayed with him for a little while, at least then you would have been taken up to the, to a, to the, to the front group, wouldn't you? Then you could have sat in, saved your energy. And if you had a half-decent run, you'd have been right in the mix then. Yep, yep. I mean, but this is Iron Man, isn't it? You never, you know, it's always unfinished business. Uh, but it's a personal best, a great swim, a good bike, a strong run because I didn't fade. <laughs> it was just a bit slow. I nearly ended up doing Challenge Almere. I know. A last minute I decision. I, my mum and dad, like when uh, the Queen passed away, uh, like you knew about that, didn't you? Like it was yeah. all around the world. Um, Basically, a lot of the stuff in England was getting cancelled. So loads of the football games got cancelled. Um, some running races, and there was a uh, Ironman Wales was in doubt. This is on Thursday night about whether or not it'd be cancelled. So I was like, "Oh my god!" Like you know, I've tapered, I'm rested. I really want to do the race, but I was like, I'm not sure if it's going to go ahead. And we didn't really get any. The latest update from Ironman was: if you haven't travelled to the race yet, don't travel to Tempe. <laughs> So you're like, oh, that doesn't sound too good. That was what it... Do you think many people didn't travel in the end and the race went ahead anyway? Um, I think a lot of people stayed at home on the Friday because we heard. And then when they realized it was going to go ahead Friday afternoon, they ended up traveling down. So some people would have got there really late Friday who were planning to leave early morning Friday. Like my parents traveled up Friday and they traveled up like really early. Like they were, I got, they were going to my house on the way. So they were at my house in Norwich. They'd already traveled like 40 minutes at 4.30 a.m. And mm-hmm. they were going to bring my passport and Laura's passport. So if the race got cancelled, I'd already spoke to the people from Almere and I'd looked yeah. at flights and everything. And I was like, can I get, if the race is cancelled, can I get an entry into it last minute? And uh, I had to make a decision up by midday, 12 p.m. And if I decided to do the race, I would have to have left at 12 o'clock to get to Bristol Airport for 2.30 to get a 4.30 p.m. flight to, our, to our Amsterdam. And then I'd have probably got to Almere at like, I don't know, 8 p.m. or something the night before. That would have been like crazy, wouldn't it? And I didn't even have no, a high box. So I'd have had to try sp- and scab one from someone. I spoke to uh, Belinda Granger in the lobby, like literally that morning. She was like, Joe messaged me. He wants to come over and race. I said, yeah, I'm, I, I, I don't know what he's like, if the race is going ahead or not. Still didn't know what, what, what you're going to do. And then but, Friday morning I mean, when I woke up, they hadn't said anything. And then... We didn't hear anything by like 10 or 11 o'clock. So I was like, 
well, surely if they were going to cancel it, they would have done it first thing in the morning, wouldn't they? You know, like 9 a.m., half nine, you would have thought so, wouldn't you? But it is mm-hmm. Iron Man, anything can happen. Yeah, <laughs> anything can happen. Uh, yeah. So they so didn't say anything. And then we kind of got the point that it was going on. And someone saw one of the Iron Man people in the town and put a Facebook, put it on the Facebook group. She said, yeah, the Iron Man's definitely going ahead. It's still going ahead. So then you're like, phew. Uh, and then we end up getting the confirmation about 3 or 4 p.m. that day. And I thought, God, that was lucky. Because I was like thinking like Thursday night when I went to bed oh, no, the whole race is going to be cancelled. This is a nightmare. You know, I've travelled all the way here. And you've got the taper week and you just want to get like a nice day of training in with a nutrition post, right? Well, some people had said that they were going to go at 7 o'clock in the morning and do the race. And I was thinking, well, I'll do the swim and the bike at 7 a.m. if a load of people are going to go down there and like at least I'll get a decent session in and then just do like, I don't know, 10 or 20K of the run, something like that. So I was planning, <laughs> I was planning on joining them at like 7 a.m. Sunday morning. Uh, if I couldn't get to Almere, if I was there, I was like, well, I'm there anyway. I might as well get a decent, decent like session in, see, uh, see what it's like. But thankfully, it did go ahead. Speaking of um, Joe, I've got a low of the week from uh, from someone called uh, Louis. Louis. Well, I can't, I can't find the message, Joe. But basically, uh, I do remember this guy called Louis. Um, he was in uh, in Tembe on Thursday, Thursday morning, and he was there quarter past nine, something like that, 15 minutes early to the course recce. Curious what course he was going to recce or what the route was, but he was going to be there to ride with the big Joe Skipper opposite the swim start, and he waited there till quarter to 10. And then it started raining, and he realized Joe probably had left without him. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, man, like... He should have messaged me. Like we we went out, but I only had um, a message from one person in the end. So uh, me and um, a, guy, a guy, his name forget forgot uh, escaped me now. Looks really bad, but he um, messaged me because there was only two of us going. We end up changing the meeting spot to a cafe and uh, having a coffee first, no! then going out. You fucking changed the meeting spot. Well, I didn't know. No one messaged me. Everyone said that they weren't coming. They said it would be too far. It, People were saying it, it would ruin their didn't race. Did you do like an open invite saying, be there in 10B, 9.30 a.m. Yeah, but loads of people the were. Swim start. And then he's like, all right. He says it. I'll just go there. I won't message him because probably a shitload of people message him. Loads, everyone was messaging me saying it will ruin their race. Uh, ruin my race. It'll be too fast. We'd love to come, stuff like that. And I'm saying, now you'll be all right. You'll be all right, you know um and uh yeah i just got a message from one other guy in the end he said are you still wrecking the course i thought said yeah 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 i'm like you up for it he said yeah all right i will do and well, there was uh, there was this one other guy that also wanted to wreck it and one other guy i'm going to know louis louis was there i would have definitely uh turned up but i, di- I didn't realize uh have you got anything, be there. anything to say to louis yeah i'm sorry mate i'm sorry what <laughs> course did you do in the end <laughs> we did the uh small <laughs> <laughs> we did the long course weekend bike course <laughs> no but to be, to be honest you didn't do the full race course did you well we did this one we did the small lap we didn't do the the big lap and the uh small lap as well all right all right that'd be like 110 k's i was tempted to do it but then i thought now nah, it might be a bit much so we just did the 70k loop fair enough fair enough um anyway joe talk me through your race tembi get me to that start line what happened so you, you turned up in the morning and that start is absolutely amazing for atmosphere. Like literally the, every fit where is lined with people, which is pretty unusual for an Ironman to be that, that many people. Like I think challenge Roth has a big fit, like turnout like that with spectators. 
but you don't normally get thousands of people do you out at 6 30 in the morning ready to watch you but anyway you could see the sea mate and it was rough as you were how, going many, down how many people are we talking are we talking thousands Thousands. Literally lined. Like, if you look at the pictures, you, you if you weren't standing next to the barrier, if you wanted to watch it next to the barrier, you wouldn't be able to if you got there 20 minutes before the start. Wow. Like, you'd be like five back, like five people back. It's like you're at a concert, mate. And then they play the Welsh. Now, you look and you can see the swim. There's like a big old swell in the water. So you're thinking, cool, this is going to be rough. Like, and that bay normally keeps it like pretty calm. So it was unusual the whole time I'd been there. And even when I was there the year before, that there was actually like a decent swell. So you're thinking, oh, fucking hell, this is going to be, yeah. Uh, interesting um did a bit of a warm-up i was a bit late mate for the warm-up like so i had to it was We're late i was late yeah started wow. at 6 30 and i heard him say five minutes left so i got in there at 6 35 because we were meant to have a 10 minute one we we didn't have a warm-up we didn't yeah i hate that when they don't have a warm-up i i hate that i was That's thinking like, if i have if i have a bad swim it's because i don't have a warm-up so they only let the warm-up for the pros um so loads of the age groupers i think weren't ready for it and they end up dnfing because they get panic yeah, attacks and stuff. It's, yeah, but that's the thing, you know. I mean, it, a warm-up, especially if you're an amateur, you're not used to open water swimming. Apart from loosening up the muscles and all that, it, it can be a shock to the body, like the cold, a fear of darkness, whatever. Um, I got pulled and then out, mate. why people die and all that. I got pulled out in 2020 by a lifeboat. Fucking pulled exactly. me out of the water, mate. It was so embarrassing. Like, I had to put my hand up and get chucked into, <laughs> get chucked into the boat. It was like I was trying to get escape from the t- fucking Titanic or something, mate. You know, like, help me. <laughs> was it because you, you had a panic Over attack? Here. I had a panic attack and I couldn't get going. I was gasping, mate. I thought I was going to die. I thought my days were gone. Why, why, why was it? Do you think, like, sharks are in there or what, what was it? I just couldn't breathe, mate. It was like I was on a sinking ship. And, uh, but out of the blue, out of the blue. Breath. What made out you think I can't breathe? What was oh, it? Yeah. Was it the cold or what was it? Well, I start. It was the cold. It was at altitude. The swim. They started off, and you went gunning it. And you know what it's like trying to breathe when you're at like when you first get to altitude. So the ra- the swim was at like it's in Davos. It was like seventeen hundred meters. So basically, think about like trying to space similar to the pool in Fontainebleau, maybe in between that and the lake. So imagine you get in this cold, wet, horrible water, it's freezing cold, and then you sprint off at the start. They didn't let you have a warm up because of all these stupid COVID rules back then. So um, you sprinted off. Hundred meters late, fifty to hundred meters later. I was gone, mate. Like, I couldn't breathe. I was like, <laughs> like that, put my hand up. That fucking boat was there watching me, thinking we might need to save this person. We were looking at each other in the eye. And Is this I guy thought, a bro? Yeah, <laughs> and that was it. I was out. I was out. But that anyway, so in Wales, no warm up. There was a warm up for the pros. You were a bit late. Hello. I had a good warm up anyway. I had a good warm up. I didn't need to do any more. So, so that was, so, I, and I felt pretty good. You can tell, can't you, when you get in the water and you've, like if you're tapered and you do a few strokes to be and honest you can... i can't i always feel fucked in the water do you but i don't know i never feel anything that i'm all thinking right. like it's gonna be my day well i felt <laughs> all right so i was like this could be my day and the swim and i'd been oh. swimming quite well anyway so i was like quite so I was, I was quite happy with that started off it was it wasn't it didn't start off that fast i don't think but i think part of that is because it was so rough the waves were just knocking you back but anyway one guy pissed off at the start andy horsefield turner he's really good swimmer like he out he led the swim out at Swansea when Alistair Brownlee was there so he we were never going to stay with him so I wasn't yeah. even that bothered I was like well there's no. no point in me trying to stay with him yeah he was a really good swimmer yeah exactly so there was no point in me even trying to go with him then Harry Palmer obviously managed to get away and I could see that and uh he was kind of I he was on the left hand side and I was on the right hand side so there was a bit of distance and I tried to put in a bit of a surge to go there but I kind of left it a bit late and I ended up doing most of the first lap by myself and then towards the end of the first lap, I got caught by a couple of others. And that ended up being like 
the two French guys, one of them made the podium and then the other guy is that Will Menison, who's pretty decent, but I think mm-hmm. he's been battling a bit of illness lately. So he pulled out later on the bike, but got out of the water with them. And then I just decided to stay with them for the second lap because it was so rough that you couldn't really see properly, you know, and you were breathing in loads of water and it was just more hassle than what it was worth. So I kind of just thought I'll just stay on their feet because it's easier, you know, not having to worry about anything. Yeah. And then you're in the, and then plus you're in the melee of the age groupers, aren't you? You know, you're trying to like weave your way through all the age groupers. So it was just easier to stay on the feet and like let them work their way through instead of you trying to force your way through. So I just did that. And I, and to be honest, cause I knew there was only two people ahead. I was like, well, it doesn't, I'm in a good position anyway. Like I don't really need to like, there's, there's not really too much benefit. And then you get out of the water anyway. I go out with fifth. Them two were just ahead of me. So they were third and fourth. You have to run up some steps and then you have to you you have to put your shoes on. Well, you don't have to. You can run to transition, but you have to take another set of shoes for this race because it's a hell of a run. It's like a K run to transition. So you have to put on another pair of trainers. And almost all uphill, isn't it? Um, Kind of. There's like some, you go up the hill from the beach to like the seawall, which is quite steep. And that lasts, that's a couple of hundred meters. That's probably about 200 meters. And then it's kind of like a bit draggy to the transition. Um. So you, so you run all the way to transition. Transition takes like six minutes. So it's about four and a half minutes of running, probably about 30, 40 seconds in the tent and then about another 50 seconds there. I managed to jump them in transition. So I got on the bike in third. French guy just came past me. Then I re-overtook him again anyway. Got into my uh, rhythm on the bike. And then uh, there was a motorbike that was filming some, t- some coverage for Dream Team, this like British TV company. And I like waved at him, just pissing around. And uh, they must have thought, oh, this guy's their game for a bit of chat. She's like, how do you feel? You know, asking me stuff like that. And I was like, you know, all right, all right. And uh, then I, I was like, so d- does that record sound? Because sometimes they don't, do they? They just have someone talk over it. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah record sound. And I said, who's that in front of me? Because I didn't know Harry was in front of me. I had no idea who it was. And because I could see him on the bike. I could see I was catching someone. He said, that's Harry. I fucking hell, it's Harry Palmer. It's the influencer on, on YouTube. <laughs> I said, I'm going to junkyard dog him. And uh, he said, what's that? I said, I'm going to bark at him like a dog. Uh, was this guy on start, the bike? Yeah, the guy started pissing himself laughing because he thought, well, that's a, bit, pretty, that's a weird thing to do, but all right. I said, make sure you get it on the TV. So he went, all right. So then he went up ahead to where like Harry was cause, and started filming it. And then when <laughs> I went past him, I like just gave him a proper like junkyard dog. Like, but what, what, what was it for? What TV then? Some Welsh like S4C or something, which is apparently the Welsh Channel 4 um but they oh, made right. they were following the pro race so it would probably be quite good coverage because i think they're making a 30 30 minute uh video highlights thing from the pro race so they were oh, like cool. nipping they were like going back and forth there was only one motorbike so it was like doing a bit with the front and coming back and then filming people so i did that and he started laughing when i did it harry did and then he came with me for a bit because i said harry get on come with me mate and you can get on the podium like we'll ride up to the front so he's like all right all right um he came with me for a bit, but then I ended up losing him. So I was by myself and then I could get some split. I was getting some splits coming down from the front. So it started off at like five minutes. It was down to like three and a half minutes. That was the last one I got before the accident happened. And then I went down a descent and I got, when I got to the bottom, 90 degree right, took the turn, my chain came off and I thought, oh, that's bloody annoying. Got off because I tried, you can, sometimes you can flick it back. You can get it back on, can't you? If you've got yeah. a front mech, yeah, I yeah. didn't have a front mech anyway, so I couldn't do that. But thought that's annoying like I was in a really uh, good rhythm got off the bike tried to get it on I noticed there was a knot in it and I'm like oh that's fucking annoying like how the hell did that get in there I had no idea so I was messing around with it for ages trying to get it out and I was like does anyone know how to get a knot out 
like you know like there was a few people there and they were like no 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 not really and then like some guy was like were you, were you losing your shit um i was losing my shit I've, when I've, they started I've coming you... <laughs> when they start at first <laughs> i wasn't too bad but when more and more people came around i was losing my shit and then the woman was like i'll ring for mechanical support and i was like yeah yeah good one nice one and then I was like, where are they? You know, after about five minutes, where are they? She's like, they're not answering. And then like a bit later, she oh. goes, this is, where's the mechanic? She was on the radio. This is getting very emotional up here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting and very I was, emotional. I was really losing my shit. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, they're all going past me because they've been part, they've gone past me a long while ago by this point. So I'm thinking, oh my God, like I'm never going to see these guys again. Like this is, this is it. Like, and then the guy was like, get the back wheel out and you'll be able to get the knot out. It's got the back wheel out. Someone was holding the back wheel. We couldn't get it out. In the end, a marshal came. There was like two other, there was about three marshals in total that came, like, because they were on bikes. And then one of them had a chain link tool, just totally random. Wasn't the mechanics. They didn't even come, like, still. So I would have probably still been waiting in 10 before. So he randomly had a chain link tool. So we thought the only way we're going to get this out is if we take the chain off, you know, like split it, take Mm -hmm. it take it off. Uh, or like not take it off completely off, but like take it, take the chain apart and then get the knot out like that. Then put the chain back, then put the rear wheel in and then put the chain back together. Um, so that was what we had to do in the end, but it took ages because we had to wait for the marshal who had the uh, chain link tool to do it. And then like, they were like, you need to put some force on because we didn't have anything. Actually, I think he just had some pliers. I don't even think they were a chain link tool because normally with a chain link tool, you can do it back up, can't you? Yeah. So, um, he couldn't do it back up with that so he must have just had some pliers on an on an allen key i think that was what it was or something like that um i'm not really too sure but um and then they were like you need to put some weight on it you need to put some weight on it with the brakes otherwise the chain might come back off so i did it and i was like thanks 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 and then like they were like all right go on good luck and i got back on my bike and they all like gave a cheer because it was like a lot of load of people watching they're like hey <laughs> and i was like the emotional one is off i was like this is i'm just like i'm losing the bloody race here this is so annoying like Where's the mechanic? <laughs> uh, By this point, you thought you lost like 15 minutes. I 10 thought to I lost 15, 15 minutes. minutes. Yeah, I thought I'd lost 15 minutes. I thought it always seems longer than it. So I thought 10 to 15 minutes I've lost. And then I went a little bit down the road and I had someone say 14. I thought, oh, I'm only 14 minutes behind. I didn't even lose that much. But what he actually probably meant was 14th place, I realized, because I overtook two people by the time I got to this other guy uh, who was at the end of the lap, which was about another 40 Ks later. And he said 18 minutes and 12th place and then it dawned on me oh the two people i i overtook would have been 14 and now i'm in 12th place but i'm actually 18 minutes behind so i heard what? someone say 23 as well and it was obviously 23 minutes was what i was down but i thought no nah, it's not 23 minutes i didn't have a clue what he was on about when he said it but that makes but when he said 23 he must have been like you're 23 minutes behind if I'd known that, I would have been like losing my shit big time. I'd have been like, oh, by the way, when I was waiting as well, I borrowed the phone of a volunteer and I rang Laura up because I was like, this is my race is over. I said, my race is over. Can have you got a phone I can borrow? He said, yeah, yeah. Because you were thinking that, that, that they thought you might crash to something, right? Yeah. And I was kind of like a bit downbeat at that point. So I rang Laura up and I said, I've been, I've had a bloody mechanical. And she was like, why? What's gone wrong? What's gone wrong? I said, my chain's got in a knot and I can't get it out. Like, because it was still in the knot at this point. We couldn't get it out. So I've been here about 15 minutes. Like, my race is over. And she said, we lost 30 minutes last year. Like, and you're all right. And you last time and you were all right. You'll be all right. <laughs> and I was like, 
all right like and then uh i gave the phone back and then like that was like pretty i was like pretty much off after that like about two, 90 seconds later i was off and i was like what so what were you thinking on the bike when you were about 120 k's in you were still like 20 minutes down um i was thinking well when i got the time split after 110k and i was 18 minutes or 19 minutes whatever it was i was actually thinking that's like not the what that it's bad but like if they start fading towards the end, because I actually felt pretty good on the bike. So I was like, if they start fading and I can get it down to 12 minutes or 13 minutes, I might have a chance. I kind of thought, mm, unlikely I might win because there's like, I'd have to hope that they blew up on the run. But I was like, let's keep it going and uh, sit, see what happens. You know, I thought just, I'll give it some on the bike and assess the situation as I get into town. And I thought the gap was going to be a bit smaller when I come into town. I got a split on like the climb before you get into town, they said 15 minutes something. And I thought I'd gone up that pretty hard because there's two climbs right next to each other. One's like 16%, lasts about two minutes. You know, you're in your bottom gear out the saddle, basically, mm -hmm. you know, properly grinding. Um, and then the next one, steep at the bottom and then draggy, but it takes six minutes, like five five minutes to get up it, like at a decent effort, you know, like high mm -hmm. 300 watts. So I was like, hopefully I've taken a bit more time out because I felt like I went out of them pretty strong and I thought they might be fading towards the end of the, the ride. So maybe I could gain a minute back. I got into town, like, and when I got in, I could see Andy Horsfall-Turner, who was leading the race, running up the hill already to the turnaround. So he was like, I'm trying to think, two to two and a half K on the run already. And then I still had to ride the two and a half K to transition, do transition and then get out. So he was like, 4k ahead of me basically by the time i got out onto the run and i got a split 15 minutes 50 to him and then they said 10 minutes to a second and i'm like that's not too bad to second 10 minutes there's quite a lot though to boris stein you know i thought because he's quite mm -hmm. a strong runner but 15 minutes i thought well there's nothing really i can do you know i'll just say i feel i felt fantastic though i started the run and my legs felt great but i didn't bother looking at the gar at the garment because i was like i'll just go by feel and run at what feels like a nice pace um, but you saw the first split right no no i didn't bother looking i saw the first mile i saw the first mile but i didn't but that was that had a load of climbing as well and that was 558 for the first mile and i was like oh that's pretty good but why why didn't you why don't you want to look at the watch i'm always like oh, i want to see what it because is because there's like, nothing what, you can do what? is there if you feel like there is, you're going there's in, nothing if, you can do there's so nothing there's, you can it's do it's pointless like because if it feels like it's a decent pace you're either going to say to yourself i'm going too fast i better slow down and it might have a negative effect or if you look at it in a shit well, what can you do? Because you're already going as well as what uh, a pace that you feel like's decent. So you can't do anything, can you? So it's either yeah. it's probably going to have a negative impact on you and your best just listening to your body and going by how your body feels. Um, but then I got a time split. So I went past, when I went past him, he was then heading back into town. And I thought, right, 1550 is what I'm behind because I had a few time splits from people saying 15 minutes 50. So you can kind of get gather that that's, an accurate split, can't you? Because loads of people were saying like consistent mm -hmm, information. Mm -hmm. So I thought, right, I'll time him now where I pass him and I'll look back when I get there. And I thought in my head to win the race, I need to take two minutes out of him on the first lap and 90 seconds out of Boris Stein on the first lap. And then I've got a good shot of win the race. So because, you were doing a little, little math game. With so yourself. I was doing a little bit of maths. Yeah. Because I know that I, I don't really fade. So I was run quite strong. And I thought if that, if it's around that, I've got a good chance. Um, and I knew that Andy would probably slow down a lot because he's a Welsh athlete. He's leading Ironman Wales. You know, he's going to be quite excited. And it was chimp all over. Chimp, chimp all over. over. The chimp was going to be going mental in his head. 
Yeah. And it was his second Ironman. So he's on, you know, he's, I think it was his second or third Ironman. So he's not got a mass amount of experience. But then when I came past the 50, when I came past the spot that I timed him for the first time, I saw the gap was down to 12 minutes. So I was like, I've taken three minutes out of him. And I haven't even finished the first lap. I was like, that's brilliant because I only need to average four minutes a lap. And I thought, I felt like I was just running at a comfortable pace. And then I think the split to Boris had gone down by over two minutes, maybe three minutes on the first lap. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, that's more than what it adds up for the whole four laps. So I thought at the end of the first, and then the guy who was in third, Dougal was in front of me as well. So I caught him like pretty soon. He was only two minutes ahead of me. Um, so I caught him at the halfway point on the first lap. And then the guy that was in third, I think I caught him on the start of the second lap. So basically, I knew from how the first lap had gone that I was probably going to have a good chance of winning because I didn't feel like I was going to slow down. And I thought they might slow down more and I'm already going but faster. You were going to, you were going for, you're saying that, but you were going to throw the first half marathon in 116 high. And I was 115, thinking 115 high on the uh, training peaks. All oh, right. So yeah, well, the track, oh, well, you, were, you were looking on the tracker. You were looking on the tracker. Yeah. yeah. So right. Going off training peaks, 115 high. There wasn't one point that you were thinking Braden Curry, St. George, Joe Skipper in Wales, um, 115 high is like a 232 marathon uh, on probably the toughest Ironman run course. The chimp ain't going to like that. Well, yeah, you would be thinking that because you were looking at the numbers like that and it would just seem like it was uh, totally unfeasible. But I wasn't looking at my watch. So I was unaware how fast I was actually going because I wasn't really looking at any splits or any times. The only time I, the only time I got that timing split was when I timed um, Andy. And then I was getting so many splits from people on the course that I didn't need to look at my watch. So I was unaware how fast I was actually going. I just knew that it felt comfortable and the time was coming down. So that, so it wasn't like my chimp was telling, like I was running too quick because of my chimp, because I, I wasn't- I think it's crazy though. Like, you know, I always want to see the case splits. Like, I'm just curious. Yeah, but what you've the got, hell's going you just, on? it doesn't matter. You can't let that get I know. to you. You I know. can't do it. You just got to just got But to it doesn't even now. get to me. It's just more like, I just want to know. I, I know. know. You, want it, you might want to know, but then it, it might sometimes have an effect on how you perceive that effort. Because if it is quite quick, it could work out positive because you could think, yes, I'm on an absolute blinder. Like I'm running real fast and like it feels easy. I saw the yeah. odd mile split. Don't get me wrong. I did see the odd mile split. Like I had the odd look. I probably saw about four or five of them. But some of them were on quite quick, quite quick parts of the course. So I was seeing like 520 something on one of the downhills, 547 on some of the flat bits. So I knew and I did get my 10 mile split of like 58 minutes. So I knew I was running pretty quick. Um, but it was very rare that I was looking at the watch and I was more going by how I felt like I was making mm -hmm. it, but I was just thinking of technique and I wanted to, I was getting so many junkyard dogs off people. I wanted to give some back, but I was like <laughs> trying to concentrate and I knew I'd, I, I couldn't really fuck around. So I had to, so, but when I, uh, when I got into the lead, um, that was when I started messing around a bit and giving like a few junkyard dogs back because I felt pretty good <laughs> and I was like, oh, I've got it now. Like, so I started messing around with people, but I, to be honest, I was actually really enjoying the chase you know that was the bit what was really motivating me you know when i actually got into the lead that was the worst bit of the lot because then it wasn't the fun bit it's like you know when you're younger and you were at school if you fancied a good looking girl the chase was always the motivating bit isn't it once you've once you've pulled her it's not as fun is it you know the, it was all about like you know you wanted to you wanted to you wanted to kiss the good looking girl didn't you and once you've done it you've done it haven't you that was what it was I like know, you know, on the race course. To me, to me, there's more than that in romance. 
Yeah, I know, but this is when you're younger. This is when you're younger. <laughs> you think about Tom in his early days. Like, the chase is the fun bit, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I guess, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it's... Um, but it's also the whole build-up, you know? I think it's the whole build-up. Yeah, it's the whole build-up into the chase, the mate, you know? Up and, you um, like to wine and dine, don't you? But also, I also like to get chased, you know? So, um, but that thing in a, in a race never happened. I'm always always the one that chases, but is it really chasing? The chasing's the more so fun fast? bit. The chasing's the fun bit, mate. Once you're in the front, but, you don't know what's going on behind you, and you start mess. You It's hard to keep your composure and keep it going, and you're the only one that can mess up then. But when you're behind... You're you, and you can hear the gaps going down. It's it's so much easier. Yeah. Like I think it's what it's it's a lot nicer being being behind and doing the chasing. You're in yeah. a luxury position, mate. You're always chasing people. Is it? <laughs> you might not always catch them, but you're always chasing. But but what about that bit where you said you were 20 minutes down and you were losing your shit? Can you imagine if I come out of the water and they say 20 minutes down? I always need to to keep my shit together, Joe. I always need to keep my shit together. Well, yeah, that I can't would be lose like, my shit like you. Yeah, well, that would be like uh, you're chasing someone and the girl's got absolutely zero interest in you, and no matter how hard you try, it's just not going to happen. That was you can, what that you, was can like. you can go at it at like 400 watts. It's it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But She's telling you, no, you're not my type. We're more. <laughs> I see you more as a friend. <laughs> um, all right. So in the end, you, you managed to win the race. It was the cor- the run course was long, right? So, um, um, well, it's it's a phenomenal run. I I would say you're in a really really good shape for Kona. Um, do you think that mentally, my playlist in Fond Ramo? Celine Dion, Enrique Iglesias, my boys, my girls, they prep you well for this race mentally. Yeah, mental you in toughness. That state? Mental toughness, mate. If you can concentrate on a hill of running and riding up hills, listening to Ronan Keaton, Titanic soundtrack, Celine Dion, you know, all that, you can do anything. It's perfect what? Ironman training prep. What's the uh, now? But honestly, um, that is that was an awesome, awesome race. Like with you, managed to win that one still by eight minutes. If you take into consideration the mechanical, mechanical, mechanical what you had, it's like almost thirty minutes on second place. I'm not sure whether it ever happened in in like an Ironman race. Uh, thirty minutes. It's like you make the others look a bit weak. Uh, it's like more like amateurs. Um, and they aren't, you know. So I'd say you're in a really, uh, really decent shape for for Kona. So you you better be going, right? You're ready. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely ready. I'm like taking it really serious. And that was I knew I was racing for people that uh, might not have listened to other podcasts. I'd already committed to racing Kona, hadn't I? Before we went to Wales, like I booked everything. So like you know, my eyes were set on Kona. So like you know, Wales, I really want to do for a bit of fun. You know, I want to test myself. But Kona's the big goal, and that's what I'm really looking to have a big race at. Going off that, that run, you uploaded it on Strava and you called it something like, I ain't going to need five minutes in Kona, Christian. What did you mean by that? So, you know, when we had that party around the house in Font Romeo, or not the part, not the party, but you know, when they came around, it was Christian uh, Gustav. We just had a think, couple yeah. of pizzas and diet coke. That one, yeah. Um, Mark Techno. You mean sat- my birthday party? Oh, no, that was the no, other one. No, the other one. Um, Techno was... Um, sat next like so christian was sat opposite me and techno was next next to uh, christian and me and he said to christian like do you think um joe can beat you in kona (laughs) that was what he said (laughs) and uh christian was like no i don't think so like he'll need five minutes on the run and i was like i ain't gonna need five minutes on the run in kona to beat you and he's like yeah but i run five minutes quicker than you in sub seven and i said yeah but i won't fit in sub seven 
I said, I ain't going to need five minutes uh, to beat you in Kona. And then he was like, mm, yeah, yeah, but sub seven was like your fastest this, run. This this is when you, uh, when you were saying goodbye to each other, right? I mean, when, when they were going off, they were leaving, wasn't no, it? No, no, this was a long way before that. All right. This was when we were sat, like, literally having, just after having the pizzas and stuff. So, like, oh, right. like, for a while. And he was like, yeah, but sub seven was like your best ever run that you've done. And I was like, well, it might have been the fastest one, but I still wasn't fit for it. And uh, I don't think I'll need five minutes to beat you. I said, uh, I reckon a minute tops. I said, <laughs> I said, <"Tell laughs> that. And he was obviously like, nah, nah, nah. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was where it, that was where it came from because it reminded me when I did it um, about that conversation. So I had to, uh, I had to call it that, didn't I? Did he say something to you back after? Uh, he just posted something on the Triathlon Mockery, didn't he? Like, uh, yeah, he did. did he say something like looking forward to Kona or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I think he'd probably look forward to, uh, I think he would, uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, battle, he, wouldn't he? He's used it, it to would be, uh, you. I mean, if you look at what, what he's done now, you know, um, I think he'd, he'd like a close battle. If you're halfway through the run and you're five minutes up ahead, it's a bit boring, isn't it? Yeah, I'd love to have a battle with him. It'd be like the modern day. I reckon day Christian Ironwall, likes it? it to come down. What you saw in at last in a W Cup in Bergen when they were absolutely motoring for like a sprint finish. I mean, you don't want a sprint finish in Kona, but maybe like a hard 4K, last 4K. Yeah, you want a last hard 4K with him fading, don't you? Going up, you know, up the run to Polanyi Hill. <laughs> Ideally with Norwegian. you in the lead. <laughs> yeah, with me in the lead. The Norwegian just flipping, melting in that sun. Because well, like, was... he's going to melt, in. he? Look at him. He's white. He's like... I mean, Bergen's not hot, is it? It's cold, isn't it? I don't know. He did pretty damn well in Tokyo. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know, mate. <laughs> like, I'm white, I'm melting, but he's he's, he's a bit different. He's quite a tough one, isn't he? He's quite a tough guy. <laughs> we're very much alike, yet we're not. <laughs> but I was thinking, by the way, during... Take uh, him to, invite him to Almere for a couple of weeks. That'll soften him up a bit for the weather. He was he was uh, really close to Omer back then when he was training for the sub seven. In yeah, but he didn't have to worry about training Kona conditions then, did he? No. But by the way, um, did you have any chance during the race look at your glucose levels? Uh, I just asked myself, "Do you feel hungry?" And if the answer was like, "Well, I could fancy a gel," then I just smashed another gel. I don't need to look at the glucose level levels. Like, I just you just keep eating and drinking, don't you? And it's good enough. Some, some, by the way, were saying uh, it might have been the greatest uh, uh, comeback in Ironman, like blah, blah, blah. Um, but to be fair, I mean, it was a quick run, but you did have a 20-minute break, mate. I know, I had a rest, didn't I? A 23-minute rest. To, to stock my glucose levels up. If, you'd have, if I'd had that Super Sapiens thing, you'd have been seeing my levels climb, wouldn't you? Yeah. Just sat there. If, if I'd sat on the side of the road in Almere for like 23 minutes, I'd be fresh as a fiddle. But it was very emotional, though. It would have been like you watching a really like emotional film. You'd start you getting a bit teary-eyed in the end. Like I was almost middle crying, bit of mate. Tars, like Tarzan, something like that. More like the Notebook or something. <laughs> the Green Mile. <laughs> more like yeah, more yeah. When you get locked up and you like think you're What's, never going to see daylight. So, Joe, in every Iron Man, you always learn something. What's your takeaway from this one? Never give up because you never know what can happen. Because I, I could have quite easily given up, you know. And could you imagine if I'd have just given up after that, thinking I'd lost 20 minutes and just rode back into town? Because I could have, because I was only literally like 15K, you know, from town at that point, 15, mm -hmm. 20K. Which a lot of people do. Even if they get a flat, they stop. Yeah. Um, so I would say never give up. And to be honest, it actually was quite fun riding and running my way back through the field. Like it was actually... Mm -hmm. 
I actually quite enjoyed it, to be honest. I mean, I wouldn't want to do it again, but like I had, it was fun. Ideally, you wouldn't. But... Ideally, I wouldn't want to lose 20 minutes on the side of the road, but it worked out all right. <laughs> and the takeaway, in the end, you've, if you're like, for example, if you've paid registration fee, you must, you just think like, I've paid the fee, I'm in the race, I might as well just make it an awesome day training with free aid stations. Well, that's what I thought. Worst case scenario, we'll just use it as a decent training day. So I was like, I'll just push the bike hard and then I can see how I feel on the run. And if I feel terrible on the run, then I'm not going to kill myself, you know, with Kona in four weeks time. So I thought about 10, 20 K of the run would be all right. So I yeah. thought, you know, I'll just do the bike, see how it feels. I felt really good on the bike and then started off the run, felt good. And then you kind of just play it by ear, don't you? But you never want to give up really. I mean, if you feel terrible and you've got like Kona or world championships in three or four weeks then you might assess the situation and think what's well, sensible, but you know, keep going and like, do your best and just see, really make the call when you really have to, you know, don't do, do a rational Do you fence. ever think if you start the marathon, like, fuck, this is such a long while, still need to run pretty long while? No, I was actually thinking on that run because I knew the run was long. I was like, I'm glad this runs long because I'm going to, I might need every last kilometer of this to claw this gap back. <laughs> That's what I was actually <laughs> thinking. I was like, I'm glad this is a hard, hilly, long run because I might need every last one of these kilometers. And then when I, when I'd got the lead and I was like running back in town, I was like, Oh, I wish this run wasn't long. I could do it being over now. Like, <laughs> I don't need the, I don't need all these kilometers. I was literally in Almere. I was thinking at some bit, like, it's actually a pretty long day, isn't it? It's a long day. Yeah, yeah, it is a long day, yeah. It's a long day. It's a brutal sport. But I'll tell you what I thought was harder. I thought that 300k ride we did in um, Font Rameau with the run off the bike was harder than what I did in Wales. Yeah, like that. Yeah, I was totally depleted when we started that run. I was hallucinating on that descent. I thought I saw a dog, but it weren't. It was like a different change. It was a change <laughs> in principle. Yeah, I did on the uh, descent. I was like, uh, and then that last bit, you know, where I had to ride up into that headwind yeah, for yeah, like yeah. what felt like an eternity. That was oh, horrific, absolutely it, horrific. It, it got us strong though, didn't it? Yeah, it did. That it felt easy compared to that. I mean, three hundred k's and doing a run off the bike. What was it? Four thousand meters of climbing, thirty-five k's an hour average speed. Because I was thinking uh, this race in Almere, because over the last couple of Ironmans, I've always done like 30 minutes or 40 minutes, like super duper hard to try and bridge up to some group and then ease up a little bit and ride it steady. And um, I think in in Switzerland, it was something like 290 average, 305 normalized. And in South Africa, something like that as well. But I felt like pretty tired coming off the bike and now i i i only had free second power but i didn't have average power and i didn't have like average lap power i turned it off so i rode it like steady for two and a half hours but felt like steady hard but not really hard and then after that i just felt i'll, I'll just ride easier and i still ended up riding 290 watts and i came off the bike so fresh so i, I think like literally over if i compared it to so in 27 uh, 2018 when i did my first Ironman, um, I would ride 243 watts for an Ironman, 243. The year after in 2018 in Cork, I did 265, I reckon, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Then New Zealand, the year after that with you, I did 272. Is that all you did in New Zealand? I thought you did like 300 in there. No, that's the half. That's the half. I did 320 and a half. Yeah. And then I told you, like, I don't understand how I can do 320 and a half, but only 272 in a full. You're a speed you demon, said, mate. Like, you're more built for Super League and stuff like no, that. But, <laughs> no, but you were saying something like you don't have, like, the the volume and all that. But then 
Um, I think the years after that, I've been doing way more volume, like now, like 12 to 15 hours a week. So if, if I, I'm, I'm I like really, uh, I think that's been the biggest improvement for me over the last two years, swim this, and now I need to work on that run. <laughs> and then you'll be the full package. I wouldn't say the full package, but I'd say I, I can be comp- competitive. Like I can be, be in, in, in there for a top 10 or something. So do you think next year you could potentially swim in the next group up and bike with the top guys? Like if Lionel Sanders was in there and he didn't have much of a pack to swim with, next year if you train hard, could you potentially stay on his feet? I don't know. Um, I think the difference between 54 minutes and 50 minutes is massive. It's what about if he swam 51, say? 50, I, I'd, I'd be happy to say yes, but I think this, that's a big gap too. I mean, I can see how many years some people have trained for this to get to that level. And I don't know, I, I would, uh, 51 is quick, mate. It's quick. So it could be two years. Could be two years. Yeah. But I'd ha- uh, like, if it were up to me, I'd say tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, I, I must say racing is so much more fun. I mean, to me, as if you're racing as a professional, if you're actually like, feeling that you're in the race oh you want to be in the race otherwise i really struggle with that over the last two years so i think uh, that for me is the massive takeaway for this one like it makes it more fun to be finally a bit more and now you've decided not to go to kona haven't you for the triathlon mockery because you want to concentrate on another on like uh, doing Uh, well there's there's a couple of uh, a couple of things like i've had a chat with uh with you and uh with my dad and a couple of others and thinking that um Basically, it doesn't cut the cost for Kona. It's just super expensive, and I don't want to fund it myself. And the only reason, kind of, is, um, well, the whole stuff doesn't bring anything to me personally on, besides, like, having a lot of fun being there and meeting a lot of people. But in the end, um, I've been out this season for a long, long time, and I just need to get a couple of good races in, or, I mean, any races. Uh, I've just had a race that I think uh, for me was a good one and I just need to build on this season and Kona is not really around the corner so apart from financial uh, uh, um, you want to see what you want to get a decent block of training basically and see what you can do yes because if I'm going to Kona I need to travel there then probably won't be doing much training there get back then you're absolutely jet act shit you're not doing any training anyway so it's just hard really yeah so yeah you're gonna give that a go um maybe arizona maybe israel it's up for up, up for debate potentially West maybe Australia. the half distance triathlon in ibiza end of october <laughs> have a bit of party there as well yeah and then arizona you, you, might be doing it. you, you, you would, you would fancy beers. arizona wouldn't you i would be up for arizona yeah i've done it before had a shocker dnf'd um all right freezing cold water i thought the water was going to be boiling i thought arizona what was absolutely freezing my leg was like screwed when i got out like on the bike I felt like i pulled a muscle had a shall shocker. We can we can talk about this later on in October yeah. anyway, Arizona. But shall we go over to uh, the bullshit buster, Joe? Yeah. I just saw Cameron Worth posting up that he's going to race Super Lake Malibu. Cam Worth actually posted it up. Cam Worth posted it up. I thought you said a friend posted it up saying that he was going to do it. Yeah, that was at first. And literally a minute after that, he announced it. He's going to race Super League. Wow. That is awesome. I can't wait to see that. I know. I know. He I is, really hope he can hang in there on the swim because he could mix that up on the bike. That would make the bike part a bit more exciting, wouldn't it? And yeah, if you get off the bike first, you get the short shoot for the run. So you get a massive shortcut. So we're not sure whether this is a bullshit buster or not. We're hope we're hoping it is not. I but, hope it's not. Um, 
Camworth is um, well the the rowing long distance uh, uh, Ironman professional cyclist. Um, and to be fair, on the swim, him, you can't lose a massive amount in three hundred meters. It's three hundred meters, twenty yeah, seconds. Yeah, but they probably swim something like one hundred five pace. Yeah, at the front. But then there's when I watched it in London, there's guys that are losing like fifteen seconds already. So if they're so if you work that out, fifteen seconds, that means they're one tens. Like, could he hang on the feet? It's three hundred meters, or like, could he bridge up ten seconds? I mean, the transition. If he has a bad transition, I mean, that could end up being another ten seconds. But if he can do a half decent transition. He is actually not a bad swimmer, is he? If you look at him, he's, he's not a bad the, swimmer. He's made the he's front not pack a quite a few times. Like I would, yeah. ho- I would like to see him mixing it up on there, at least on the bike. Like it would be good. And what about the um, the bike? Is pretty short though, isn't it? Like five k. Oh, is mega it? short. Yeah, but it's technical normally. So and I'd imagine his bike handling skills would be pretty decent. So he could actually like, you know, I mean, if you're used to racing world tour races and the technical aspects, they're going to be like. He, sh- he could do what, all right if he can survive. What would be the reason he's in this race? For shits like, and giggles. You think for a he, laugh. He, he just lost he's it. Just he like, just like, fuck it, I'll do it. There. Yeah, I think he just thinks, fuck it, I'll do it. It'll be a good laugh. And he's <laughs> trained out in LA anyway, isn't he? He's in like, uh, he's literally like 20 minutes away. So, yeah. for, so for him, he's probably like, yeah, it'll it's be a no good brainer. crack. Yeah. Have we got an Instagram post of the week, Joe? Yes, we have. And it is a guy who has a brilliant idea. And his idea is if you want to cut the costs of an Ironman, a Morton gel, he's obviously from Switzerland, and he says a Morton gel is four Swiss francs in Switzerland. Obviously, Iron Man is sponsored by Morton gels, so you can get as many of these bad boys as you want through an aid station. So this guy is like tanked up on like gels, and he's got this special gear what he's got where he can get as many as possible and his aim is to well, get 40 gels it, wasn't it he's got this uh rambo thing on so rambo <laughs> has got it loose got it, it reminds me of you doing the run through the trails in uh Mal- in uh, malaga <laughs> he's got one second so he's got this rambo thing on where rambo uses it to to load it up with ammunition and he loads it up with morton gels doesn't yeah. he instead of loading it up with like magazines for your rifle he's literally got bloody gels on there so he's like if i can get 40 or 50 gels morton gels i can sell them for four swiss francs whatever it is each so i can get 200 swiss francs i have no idea what that is in british pounds or euros the conversion do you know but i don't know maybe two quid a time they cost i'm just guessing so he's like i'm gonna get 40 or 50 gels from the aid stations as i go on but i think the tip is get most of them from the last couple of aid stations and then um and then because obviously you don't want to carry him around for the whole thing and then when you've got him for the finish but i just got this picture in my head of someone you know they're just like volunteer like handing out a gel in their hand aren't they, yeah. they normally have one <laughs> have you got just 15 like, more yeah you're just pushing them out the way getting the like tray where all the gels are in just emptying it into your bag and him being like all right see you later <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm so sorry i'm so bonking i'm so bonking he's, he's got like a camelback kind of thing on hasn't he so i guess you could just remove the bladder of the camelback you wait and, or you actually use that for the run so you can like do your best. You get to the last couple of aid stations, boom, Morton gels go in there, 40 of them, sell them on eBay, two quid each, got yourself a hundred quid basically. Exactly. And that's how you make, well, can earn a little bit of your money. Can earn back. a little bit of cash. I mean, I did that in Wales and I've managed to. I can I've, tell you, shall I tell you something about my first Ironman Joe, my first 70.3? Do, you know, do you know, that's and, how I, that's how I managed to get a day, a couple of nights free in Kona for accommodation. What? I took a load of Morton gels from the last couple of aid stations. I managed to like use it towards my Kona accommodation. That's why I ended up going because I thought of that. Wow. But let me tell you this in my first Ironman race, 70.3 in Barcelona, 
Um, I remember f- before the race, I had to train with gels and you, these were so expensive. And then I was riding up the first hill and all of a sudden I saw they were handing out gels and I was thinking, whoa, they actually hand out gels. Cause I, I didn't know, like I had no clue at all. And towards the end of the race, I was trying to grab as much bottles and gels as possible. Oh, so you so tried had- to do it cause you were like getting it for swag. You were like, I'll have these for training. I, yeah, I'll ju- I just thought like I'll have gels for training and I'll have three bottles, like three <laughs> new bottles. <laughs> so you're running across the line, your finish pitch has got you with bottles, gels. You know, yeah. um, do you reckon? I had, this, I had this fanny bag on the front as well. Well, not on the front, like on the top tube so I can fill up with like another four gels. Really? Do you yeah. think you could uh, get the uh, get some people to like sign these gels and they'd be worth more so you could maximise your cost? For instance, like you take a gel off in Kona, you could get like... Christian Blumenfeld to sign his Morton gel. Iron Man Olympic champion, Christian Blumenfeld. Wishes you good luck for your long run. Yeah, put that on eBay. That'd probably be worth 20 quid for that gel. Double Olympic champion, Alistair Brownlee. Signed it, 20 quid. Bad bike mechanic, Joe Skipper. Yeah. Fiver. <laughs> Fiver. Yeah. He'll pay I, you I, to I, have I, it. Yeah. <laughs> He'll give you the Morton gel. Just don't let him think. Joe, one hour and uh, 15 minutes in almost. Um, I'm going to say takeaway from this one is um, our man is always, our man is always a roller coaster, but um, anything is possible on the day. <laughs> Never give up. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, yeah, we massively uh, appreciate the sport. I mean, what we've had, I've had a couple of dogs barking at me in, in Almere. You've had it in Wales. Um, think it's on to the next one, Joe. Hopefully next Ironman we can do it together. All right, speak to you later. Bye-bye.